We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Twenty minutes a day. 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What is going on, Packer fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Pack-A-Day Podcast. You can always hit that subscribe button below if you're really bored right now, want to multitask, hit that thing, and we can move on. Let's start with the news we have all been waiting for. It is done. It is over. Tyler Davis is going to be returning to the Packers in 2023, at least per Bill Huber. Listen, it's been a long journey. I'm not sure how we got into this place in the first place, but there's a lot of unknowns whether Tyler Davis would be... (laughs) Tyler Davis is going to be back per Bill Huber, not on a restricted free agent tender. Uh, He will not be playing for the Packers on a restricted free agent tender, which would pay him a little bit more, but he is going to be returning to Green Bay in some capacity. Again, that is per Sports Illustrated's Bill Huber. So I know we have all been concerned about that, so we can put that to rest for a little bit and move on to less important things like what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers, right? Which still remains a beautiful mystery, although it is becoming 
abundantly clear that he is going to be a member of the New York Jets. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this today because there isn't really a ton of updates. There's still no deal as of this point. He is going to talk to Pat McAfee at noon on Wednesday. So we know what we're all doing for lunch on Wednesday. Uh, or as you're listening to this, I guess, like I said, fully believe that this is going to get done. The Jet sign, Alan Lazard, if you needed to you know, tell me that Aaron Rodgers is going to be a Jet without telling me that Aaron Rodgers is going to be a Jet, that's pretty much all you needed to know, right? There also is rumored interest for the Jets in Randall Cobb, as well as Mercedes Lewis. Apparently, Aaron Rodgers gave the Jets a list of free agents that he would like to see them pursue, including Lazard, Lewis Cobb, and Odell Beckham. So we'll see if anything happens there. If anything came out of this, it just I feel really bad for Robert Tunyon that he wasn't listed on the list. Poor guy, that has to suck when you see all your friends get listed on Aaron Rodgers' list and you're not on the list. Oh, poor Bobby Tunyon. But maybe he'll find a way back in Green Bay or with the Jets or either way, I have full expectation that Bobby will find a spot that will utilize him to the best of his abilities moving forward. Uh, The only other thing here is Trey Wingo uh, mentioned and he's basically been on top of this pretty much so far. Uh, Trey Wingo mentioned that this could roll into next week, next week. So who knows what's going to happen next, but we should get some clarity on Aaron when he goes on the Pat McAfee show. And who knows all of the discussion points that could happen. It seems to meander around, but I would expect we'll get some news right from the horse's mouth when Aaron goes on McAfee on Wednesday at noon. All right, let's go back to Alan Lazard for just a moment because... Aaron Rodgers or no Aaron Rodgers, the Packers still lose one of their key wide receivers in Alan Lazard. Now, I think this is not a surprise to anyone in any capacity, right? Not a surprise that he's not on the Packers in 2023. That was expected going into this offseason based on where Green Bay's at from a salary cap standpoint. There was some news that maybe Green Bay was looking to try to bring him back, but that always felt to me like, hey, Alan, go out and see if you can find a deal. If you can't, come back to us and let's talk. He got a deal. It made sense that he was probably going to go to the Jets, pair with Aaron Rodgers. Gets a really nice deal on the open market. Four years, $44 million. We'll see what that ultimately amounts to uh, with the the full structure of that contract eventually. But uh, listen, what an awesome story, right? Undrafted free agent, practice squad guy. Packers sign him off the practice squad. Works his way into a actual roster player, to a depth piece, to a number three, four wide receiver, to really the Packers number one wide receiver at times last year and turns that into a four-year, $44 million deal. So not surprising that he's gone, not surprising that he's a member of the Jet. Really good deal for Allen and certainly a player that is deserving of that contract based on the work, time, effort, energy that he's put in in Green Bay, but that does sort of put the end of the Allen Lazard chapter in Green Bay. Meanwhile, One other player that is now gone from Green Bay is Jerron Reed. He signs back with the Seattle Seahawks. He gets a two-year deal worth up to or around, I think it's actually a little bit above $10 million. I'm sure he's going to have to hit some incentives on that deal as well uh, in order to get it to that $10 million point. But he got a pretty significant increase over what he was making in Green Bay a season ago. And again, got a two-year deal at where he's at in his career. That's an important, you know, basically differentiating factor with any contract. He is starting 
starting to get up there in age a little bit. I thought he had a nice season for Green Bay. It wasn't anything that stood out, and you certainly could forget about Jerron Reed and you know like lose him on the field at times because he wasn't necessarily making the huge splash plays that you want to see you know from a, a playmaker. But not every one of your players is going to be a playmaker. Sometimes you just need some guys that are going to do some of the grunt work and not be a net negative. And for me, Jerron Reed was not a negative. In fact, he was probably a neutral level player. But you need guys like that, especially on your lines. And we don't have to look too far back to, you know, go back to 2019, where Green Bay just had these gaping holes against, you know, like the 49ers in the NFC Championship game, for example, right? And you need guys like Jerron Reed that can just eat some blocks and make it so that there aren't gaping holes sometimes. And that doesn't necessarily mean that he's getting 13 sacks or forcing eight fumbles, but he held up well for the most part. And then, you know, even had that forced fumble that he recovered against Miami that at the time might just have saved Green Bay season. So nice player and Green Bay is going to have to go in a different direction there. Again, this is not something that was surprising. Jerron Reed moving on was always expected, but you know, you have some players that are in Green Bay that could take those snaps, right? Clearly, Kenny Clark is going to be the key player along your defensive line, but you still have guys like uh, TJ Slayton that are probably going to take a step up in playing time, like a Devontae Wyatt that's going to take a step up in playing time. You still got a guy like Jonathan Ford, who was a seventh round pick, who could ultimately be probably not your number four guy. That would be far less than ideal. But if he's like your number six guy, maybe number five guy, if he plays well in training camp, that's not the end of the world either. So they're not in a bad spot. They probably need one more guy. They'll probably get that guy in the draft, if we're being honest. So we'll see what happens there. But Jerron Reed signs with the Seahawks. The team that originally drafted him and where he's had success in the past. And I think that's probably a decent move for Seattle, but like I said, not unexpected for Green Bay. Meanwhile, meanwhile, quick spin around the NFC North. I'll start with the Lions. Emmanuel Mosley and David Montgomery signed with the Lions. They're clearly trying to remake their secondary. Really like the Emmanuel Mosley deal for them. He played. He had a really nice uh, career so far in San Francisco. And I think that's a, a kind of a low-key, really good signing for them, which is not what you always want to see in the division. Meanwhile, David Montgomery signs, which is a replacement for Jamal Williams. And you know what? If you're the Detroit Lions, you know who you should have probably just kept? Jamal freaking Williams. So hopefully there's some bad juju and bad karma there for the Lions by not bringing back Jamal. It sounds like he is going to go elsewhere. Hopefully he ends up with a team that Green Bay can have a little bit easier job cheering for, not in the NFC North preferably. Uh, But if he could go to a team maybe in the AFC, maybe he ends up with the Jets. I've seen some people that have posited that. I Listen, they've got two really good running backs. Now, Brees Hall is coming off a torn ACL, so maybe maybe it could make some sense, but Michael Carter, pretty freaking good running back in his own right as well. So if Brees Hall is ready to go to start the season, they probably don't need him, but wherever he ends up, uh, I just hope you know the absolute best for Jamal Williams moving forward. And like I said, Detroit deserves some poor juju for going from Jamal Williams to David Montgomery. Meanwhile, the Minnesota Vikings signed Byron Murphy and re-signed Garrett Bradbury. And let's just say in a vacuum, I want to spend a quick second on the Vikings here because I think this is an important precursor to the discussion that we're about to have. The Minnesota Vikings signed Byron Murphy. And if you look at that deal on the surface, in a vacuum, on its own, I like that deal. I like what they did getting Byron Murphy. I think he's going to be a good player. I don't think it's a bad contract. I think it's a good signing for Minnesota. I mentioned the same thing the other day. You know, they go out and they get the tight end that I kind of wanted in Josh Oliver. They probably overpaid a little bit for Oliver, but I like that signing. I think he's a good player. 
In a vacuum, I can understand both of those moves. I can sort of see re-signing Garrett Bradbury as well. But here's the issue with the Minnesota Vikings. If you're a Viking fan, it's a great thing if you're a Packer fan, but here's the issue if you're the Minnesota Vikings, right? right, What have they done so far this offseason? All right, so they signed Byron Murphy. Nice deal. Like the deal. They re-signed Garrett Bradbury. They signed Josh Oliver. Like Josh Oliver. They signed Marcus Davenport to a one-year deal. Meanwhile, they cut Adam Thielen. They're going to cut Zadarius Smith. Irv Smith is likely gone. They lose Dalvin Tomlinson to the Browns. They lose Eric Kendricks to the Chargers. They lose Cam Dantzler to the Commanders. They lose Patrick Peterson to the Steelers. And there's possibility, at least there's some rumblings and rumors out there, that they may end up releasing Harrison Smith as well, even if that doesn't come to fruition, right? You have a team that overachieved from a record standpoint. Remember, they were net negative in points last year. That should have been probably more of a nine and eight, eight and nine, maybe even seven and ten sort of team based on their point differential. That's not not always the be all end all. And I'm not saying they were fraudulent. You know what you need to do in the NFL? Win games. And you know what the Minnesota Vikings did? They won football games. So I'm not taking that away from them. But if you're looking from an analytical standpoint at a team that's likely just on the surface, even if they were returning the team from a season ago to to probably take a bit of a decline, just kind of having things even out, it was probably the Minnesota Vikings. And now you're losing a lot of players. And let's not forget, Zadaria Smith, very, very good season for them last year. Dalvin Tomlinson, very, very good season for them last year. So it's not like they're just losing guys that didn't have an impact. Tomlinson and, and Zadarius were two of their absolute best players on that roster a season ago. So losing those guys, and yes, bringing in a Byron Murphy, a Marcus Davenport, a Josh Oliver, all of them individually, not so bad. But here's the thing, right? They're probably going to regress a little bit. They lose a lot of players. They get a couple guys, but they're probably staying around the same talent level at best as they had a season ago. We'll see what they do in the draft. Maybe Lewis seen their first round pick returns from his injury and can make an impact in that secondary. But overall, I think you'd be hard pressed to repeat the season that you had a season ago. And I'm not saying that they can't be a good team. I'm not saying that they might, they they very easily could probably win the division this upcoming season. That's well within the realm of possibility, but that team is not competing for a championship. So they're living in two different worlds. They're living in this world where they had some older players like Zedarius, like Daniel Hunter, Harrison Smith, Eric Kendricks. You know, we could go on and on. Kirk Cousins, obviously a piece of that, Adam Thielen. And then they've got that younger group, right? They've got that younger group. Delvin Cook, maybe we put him in that conversation, but at minimum, you've got guys like Justin Jefferson, Christian Derisaw, you know, you've got uh, Ezra Cleveland, a, re- a pretty darn good young offensive line. Like they've got some pieces on that team that are going to be good in the long run, but they're split, right? You've got that older age group, and then you've got that younger age group, and they're sort of caught between the two. And they, it looks like what they were going to do was start purging that older age group, right? All right, we're going to cut Zedaria. We're going to cut Adam Thielen. We're going to cut Eric Kendricks or have him go elsewhere, Patrick Peterson elsewhere. And we're going to start building more towards the future. And they have done that to some extent, right? Josh Oliver, younger, Byron Murphy, younger, Garrett Bradbury, still young enough, Marcus Davenport, still young enough. But when you look at those contracts, Marcus Davenport on a one-year deal, So that means the Marcus Davenport window is this year. And that means, you know, when you're looking at a, you know, Josh Oliver, even though he's younger, three-year deal, like they're Byron Murphy, two-year deal. They're still like in the next two years is what they're sort of still building towards this year and next year. And I thought they had the opportunity to maybe purge their older players and start getting younger, build around Jefferson, Darisaw, and some of those, you know, maybe even Delvin Cook and some of just those younger players in general, right? I think that would have been the right direction to go in for Minnesota. Instead, you're sort of still caught in this no man's land where you still got some of your older players, you've got your younger players, and 
now you're sort of trying to rebuild with guys like Byron Murphy, Marcus Davenport, Josh Oliver on this year's team. And it's like, okay, but what are what do you what is your goal here? Because you're not a Super Bowl team and I, I don't know, right? So as a Packer fan, long story short here, I think you're kind of okay with where Minnesota has gone with this offseason so far, because they're kind of in that middling ground where they're okay, they're good, but they're not gonna be great. And that's never the place where you want to be. A lot more on that in just a moment. Meanwhile, the Giants trade a third round pick for Darren Waller. And that's important because the Giants get better. The Raiders get worse. You get a third round pick exchanging hands, but you immediately have Packer fans saying, hey, third round pick, Darren Waller. Why aren't aren't the Packers doing like a third round pick for Darren Waller? And that leads us to our main discussion for today, because we are headed in to a new era with Jordan Love in all likelihood as the quarterback of the Packers, no more Aaron Rodgers. For better or worse, we don't know what that mystery box is going to hold, right? And there's probably going to be some growing pains. There's probably going to be a learning curve for for Jordan Love. We're entering an unknown. We haven't been in this territory in quite a while as Packer fans, right? And for the first time in a very long time, I think it's time to sort of have this paradigm shift of where we're at with as Packer fans and the Packers really need to have this conversation internally as well. And I'm sure that they are, but that this is no longer a team that you want to take any sort of one-year approach, any sort of all-in approach. We just talked about the Minnesota Vikings, right? Where they are in sort of no man's land. That's not the place that you want to be in. Well, if you're Green Bay, you want to avoid that as well. And we need to start looking at as to what this looks like moving forward. Green Bay is going to have a little bit of a new philosophy. Packer fans need to have a new mindset. The Darren Waller for a third round pick would have been really interesting over the last couple of years in 2020, in 2021, in 2022, something that Green Bay should have explored during that time frame. Right now, those type of moves are not the moves that you want to be looking at. I've seen people already screaming, why haven't the Packers signed a bunch of players in free agency? A, the salary cap situation is a little bit iffy right now, especially with Aaron Rodgers, probably going to get traded, probably having a $40 million cap hit. That's going to squeeze things even more. And they're not going to have a ton of money to go out and spend. But the bigger thing is, is they shouldn't be going out and spending a ton of money. This is not the time to do that. Spoiler alert. All right. I hate to tell you this, but you know it already. The Packers aren't winning a Super Bowl in 2023. Could it could it happen? Yeah, Leicester City won the you know, premiership a couple of years ago out of absolutely nowhere, and nobody saw that coming. Every once in a while, you'll have a team in a league that just comes out of nowhere and wins a championship. That can happen. The right team gets hot at the right time. All of a sudden, a few different players start playing at a level you didn't expect them to. This Green Bay team's not going to be bad. Like They've got good players. They're going to win some games. Could all of a sudden things, you get lightning in a bottle, Jordan loves way better than anyone expected? Maybe, maybe, right? But nobody's expecting this team to compete for a championship in 2023. That just is what it is. And you shouldn't be managing your team in 2023 like this is a team that is capable of winning a Super Bowl. Like I said, could they on a long shot? Sure. Any team ultimately could, any given Sunday, yada, yada, yada. We know the cliches, but you should not be managing this team in 2023 as if this is a team that needs to gather as much talent as possible to make a run in 2023. That's not your goal. That should not be your goal. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Also kind of spoiler, you're probably not winning it in 2024 either. Could that? Could you have better odds in 2024, especially if Jordan Love hits? Yes, you absolutely could. But the odds that you're going to go out and do that in 2024, probably still extremely slim, right? You're going to have more turnover on the roster in 2024. You are going to have a non, you're going to probably not have a $40 million cap hit for Aaron Rodgers, which is going to help you, but you still have a lot of dead cap. Like I said, some veterans that you're probably going to need to purge next year. And you're probably still going to need to get a little bit more fiscally responsible. Jordan Love's probably going to need a little bit more time to develop. Like I said, there's probably going to be some bumps in that road. Listen, there's no river that doesn't have a bend in it at some point that you don't see some things coming. But I think if we're being honest with ourselves, the odds that Green Bay wins a Super Bowl in 2023 or 2024, probably not very great, right? So you have to start looking at, all right, when is that next window going to be open? And this is where ultimately I talk about windows all the time. And I want to just take a deeper dive in that today. And here are two things that you should know about me that we're just going to need to be clear about because these are pretty big absolutes for me and how you go about building a roster and building a team. Number one, number one rule of roster building is don't be mid. Don't be that no man's land eight and nine team. Give me an A or give me an F in this modern day of sports. Now, I'm not saying that you should necessarily go out and just tank completely you know, for Caleb Williams. That's that's not what you should always do, especially in the NFL. NFL is more of a crapshoot. But 
when you're roster building, you should really be like building towards a future season and sort of knowing that, hey, this isn't our year to go all in or that, hey, we should be doing everything that we possibly can to be opening a window right now and be ultra aggressive because the timing is right to do that. Basically, again, give me an A or give me an F. Don't necessarily be that mid-team. Arguably, the worst thing that you could possibly be were the Packers last year. I'm going to talk about that more in just a moment. Number two, all right, so A is, is or number one, whatever you want to say, is don't be mid. Don't be the Jeff Fisher 8-9 BS, right? That's not what you're shooting for. That is the worst place to be in. The worst thing you could do is finish as the eighth seed in the AFC or eighth seed in the NFC. So again, that's number one. Number two is you need to find your all-in opportunity. You need to find your window and you need to go for it. I love Ted Thompson. I love what he did. His philosophy at the time was not necessarily wrong. It was a different time period. You did in Ted Thompson, Ted Thompson's era, you did not have teams borrowing massive amounts from future salary caps and spent like trading all of their future draft picks to try to win when they did. There were teams that were kind of going things about about things the way Green Bay was, where they were trying to draft and develop and build up from within and kind of build almost like a college program where you're just constantly developing these young players who are ready to take over for the next one. And it worked. They got a Super Bowl victory and nobody's apologizing for that, right? But times have changed. Things have changed. And now teams are ultra aggressive in going all in and opening up championship windows. We're going to go over a team in just a second who basically is the exact replica of what we're talking about right here. So the two things that are near and dear to me that I very much believe in is don't be mid and find your all-in opportunity. You're open up a window, find a window that you want to open and open it as wide as you can and give yourself a real legitimate shot at going for a Super Bowl. Now, a couple things here. That doesn't mean you can't win. All right. That is, and I want to specifically talk about everything I'm going to talk about today for Green Bay is not saying that they should go 0 and 17. It's not saying that they shouldn't find good players. It's not saying that they can't go 8 and 9 or 9 and 8. All right. A 9 and 8 season for this Green Bay team this year, even an 8 and 9, if Jordan Love plays well and you see signs of development all, you know, all around this roster, that that's not a bad season to have for this Green Bay team this year. I, I think there's a lot that you could take away from that. And I am a believer that winning football games is good for your program overall, for your team overall, for your franchise overall. I do think there is power in winning and I think winning breeds winning. I do believe that. So I'm not saying that this team, if they go eight, nine, nine, and eight, this specific team is necessarily a bad thing. You might say, Andy, you just said, don't be mid eight or nine, nine, eight is the definition of mid. Yes, but it depends on where you're at with your roster. All right. So what I mean by that is last year's Green Bay Packers team, last year's Minnesota team, those teams were trying everything they could to be successful in 2022. And where did Green Bay end up? Eight and nine, the number eight seed in the NFC, just outside of the playoffs with not as great of a draft pick as if they would have been a little bit worse. And they were just in complete no man's land while borrowing a ton from the future salary cap and playing with a Hall of Fame quarterback and do like that is the worst case scenario you can be in. When you're trying to go all in and you finish eight and nine, that's the worst place you can be in. Minnesota, meanwhile, they make the playoffs, they get a pretty good seed, they win the North, but they get a first round playoff exit. And that team was built as a sort of again, no man's land team. It wasn't set like they, they weren't set up for success, at least to win a Super Bowl. They again, end up in sort of this no man's land. 
that is one of the worst things that you can possibly have is if, if you're all in and you're going in that direction and it just all falls apart, right? There, there are other teams. The Jaguars are a probably pretty good example of this, right? Where Jaguars have basically the same, like a similar season that Minnesota has. In fact, you could argue it was a little bit worse. They had a worse record in the regular season. You know, they played pretty well, at least in the beginning of the playoffs. They ultimately get eliminated. But that was a very successful season, season for the Jaguars based on where their roster was at. They didn't do the all-in approach quite yet. So good season for the Jaguars, bad season for Minnesota and Green Bay, even though the record's not that much different between the three teams, right? So that is where I'm trying to tell you is that you can go out and get good players. I'm not against that. And finding more players to help Jordan Love and get a full evaluation of Jordan Love, that is well within Green Bay's right. And I, I don't necessarily oppose that. But there is a way to do that, and there is a way not to do that. So I want to bring to light a couple things really quick here and why I very much have this approach before we get into what Green Bay should be doing in this offseason and looking forward over the next couple of years with Jordan Love as quarterback. The reason I have a firm belief here, and I'll say this, there's no apologizing for two Super Bowls over the past 30 seasons, right? But you can argue, you can make a very strong argument that the most all-in team over those 30 years was the 96 team. That was a team where Ron Wolf did everything in his power. He brought in all the free agents, the Santana Dotsons, the Reggie Whites, you know, the uh, Bruce Wilkerson's, the Eugene Robinson's, who I know we don't want to talk about, but he was helpful on that season at least. You know, um, Sean Jones, I'm sure I'm forgetting, uh, obviously Andre Risen, Don Beebe, oh, we could go on and on, but Desmond Howard, et cetera, et cetera. You get the point that he went all out. Keith Jackson was a huge one. He went all out to get as many players as he could to help that team because they had an open Super Bowl window. They had Brett Favre as their quarterback, the guy, the MVP of the league. They had some really good young talent. They still had Leroy Butler as a carryover from the previous regime. You know, so they had the roster in place, but they needed some reinforcements and Ron Wolf went all in. That was the most all in year, I would argue, over the past 30 seasons. And what did they do? They win a Super Bowl. And if you want to know why, in my opinion, that Green Bay doesn't have more Super Bowls over those three decades with two Hall of Fame quarterbacks is because Green Bay did a very poor job of identifying when their windows were open and going all in in those moments. It was something that for all of the things that Ted Thompson did right, that was something that he had very, very wrong, specifically towards the end of his career, is having Aaron Rodgers in his prime and not doing everything in his power to give him the weapons that he needed. And I'm not saying receiver weapons, because he actually did a good job of that overall, but I'm just saying the overall team that he needed. There were avenues open to Ted Thompson that he could have used free agency trade to re- you know, enhance and bolster that team that he didn't do. And instead he went a lot of times with undrafted free agents and draft picks that weren't ready. And they ended up falling short on seasons when they probably shouldn't have fallen short. So yeah, they had opportunities, the NFC championship game in 2014, an opportunity, but had they, had they identified the seasons that they thought that they could have been best and bolstered those teams in those years? Yes, there would have been repercussions in future seasons, but they never really gave themselves that opportunity and really took that all in approach. I could argue the same for some of the years and the, you know, Mike Sherman actually tried, but just was really, really bad at it. The Joe Johnsons, the Terry Glenns, we could go on and on. Unfortunately, he was just really bad at roster management as a GM, but at least he was actually trying um, to, to go all in. And then you had a sort of 
you know, pseudo all in with Zedarius, Preston, Amos, and Turner. But that was more of like a course correction from Ted Thompson, where he had not spent the money that he needed to to bolster the team. So Brian Gutekinds made one big course correction in one offseason. And then you still had sort of that moment where they could have probably done a little bit more. But instead, again, they built towards the future where Sean Gary was a future-esque pick. Jordan Love, Adrian, or um, excuse me, uh, AJ Dillon, etc. Like they did a lot of picks that were based on the future. Even Christian Watson, and you know some of the things that they did this year. Instead of going out and getting a receiver who could have helped them right away, they built more towards the future. So this is something that has plagued Green Bay over the past thirty seasons. And again, not apologizing for two Super Bowls in thirty years. Almost a lot of franchises would take those two Super Bowls in the past 30 years, but there was more fruit there on the tree that Green Bay left behind because they didn't pick it when it was ripe. It just is what it is. They didn't look at the opportunities. And let's look at the team that's probably done this best over the past five seasons, right? And that's the LA Rams. And if you look at the past five seasons and Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks and Move the Sticks on their most recent podcast did a great job of discussing this and talking about specifically the window that they identified and opened when they had an Aaron Donald, when they had a Cooper Cup, they go get a Jalen Ramsey, they trade for a Matthew Stafford. And the mantra became F them picks, right? That was the mantra. Why was that the mantra? Because at the time in that window, they were right in that mantra. They were exactly right in doing what they did. And what did they do? Over five seasons, they had the third best record over those five years. They went to two Super Bowls. They won one Super Bowl. And now what's the new mantra? Is it F them picks? No, they're now trading Jalen Ramsey away for a third round pick. They're probably going to tank this year, probably have an opportunity, maybe at Caleb Williams next year. If they're bad enough, they're going to be in that conversation. But now it's the rebuild. You go all in aggressively in that five years. Are you going to be upset that in a five-year period, you were the third most winning team, got to two Super Bowls, won a Super Bowl? No, you're not going to. They had the window. They took advantage of it. They opened it. They burned a bunch of future stuff to get that window open, to cram it open, win a Super Bowl. And now they're burning it off in a, in a very big way. There's going to be some pain points for the Rams coming up, but then they're going to try to open another window and be super aggressive during that. Try to win a Super Bowl, at least one over a five-year period of time. Maybe they get it. Maybe they don't. Then they're going to nuke it down and restart over. That's sort of the day and age that we're in, in the NFL right now. So it was F them picks when it needed to be, but now it's rebuild and there's a new approach to that. And the Rams are doing it exactly the way that is the way to do it in modern sports. And I'm not talking about the NFL. I'm talking about NFL, Major League Baseball. I can't speak to hockey because I don't know enough about it, but certainly is the case in the NBA as well. That A or F approach is a very, very specific approach that is really working for most teams in in sports, unless you have a massive payroll in baseball and can just buy your World Series every year. Even that doesn't necessarily work all the time. So the Packers never really took that F them picks approach that that you don't use it towards the T Higgins or trade a bunch of future picks so that you have guys that can help you win now, maybe an AJ Brown and, and using those picks that you got for Devante to pivot in a different direction and help you win right away. They never did that except quite arguably in 96 when Ron Wolf did it and they actually won a Super Bowl in that season. And it's so important to understand that the current landscape of the NFL right now is this approach. And some teams get it right. Listen, the 
the Bears tried to do it, but they had Mitch Trubisky at quarterback, but they tried to do everything. Young quarterback, cheap and expensive quarterback, and they built everything they could around him, but they just didn't have the quarterback, right? They go out and get a Khalil Mack and they still had Amos and they get, you know, Eddie Jackson in the draft and they still had a lot of very talented players, but unfortunately they took the wrong quarterback and they took Deshaun Watson or specifically Patrick Mahomes. That's a dynasty. They're like that. that thank goodness that didn't happen, right? But they still took the right approach. It just didn't hit because they didn't have the right quarterback. The Eagles, right? Eagles are in this all-in approach and they have the young quarterback and they have all of the resources around them. But you might say, well, yeah, but that's because they have a, a cheaper quarterback. Well, Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs, they are all in right now. They're doing everything they can year after year. They just go out and sign Jawan Taylor. That is the team that should be making those signings right now because they have everything to gain. Last year, they signed Juju Smith-Schuster and MVS. And yes, they traded away Ty- Tyreek Hill, but they used all those resources to go out and add to their team and still put together a Super Bowl caliber roster. And the point being here is that this is the new NFL. And what I mean by that is every single year now, every single year from here until probably the end of time, you are going to have at least a handful of teams that are taking this all-in approach. And if you never take it yourself, you are always going to be competing against a new group of teams that is taking an all-in approach every single year. And you might say, hey, you know, we're just going to, you know, draft and develop and we're going to take the slow and steady approach and maybe sign a value guy here. Or maybe we'll take one big swing at free agency and bring in one guy, but we want to keep our future draft picks and we want to, you know, keep everything safe. If you do that, there are going to be, like I said, five, six, maybe even seven other teams that are going well above and beyond what you're doing. And they are going to trade away their future draft picks. And they are going to borrow a bunch from future salary caps. And they are going to do everything in their power to win then and now. And you're always going to be behind the eight ball if you don't take that approach in and of yourself. So Green Bay right now needs to be focusing on when is that next opportunity to actually go out and do that? To get to that point, that's the goal. That's the next goal for this Green Bay Packer team right now is to find that next opportunity that they can be the team that's saying, you know what, we're going to trade future resources and spend uh, a bunch of money and backload a bunch of things like they did this time, but they didn't do it well enough because they didn't also do it with the picks and everything else. They didn't go quite all in enough is the truth there. All right. So then the next questions become when and how. Like I said, 2025 is probably the year that you want to start targeting. That doesn't mean that you can't start trying to win now. It doesn't mean that you can't start trying to win next year as the team that you have in the building, but you don't want to start making those all-in moves. You don't want to start trading away third-round picks for Darren Waller. You don't want to start making an all-in approach for DeAndre Hopkins right now when now is not your window to go out and make those moves. You want to try to open that window in, I would say, 2025, 2026, so that you have a really good, young, core, nuclear of this team. Hopefully Jordan Love led if he proves he can be that guy with a Christian Watson and a Romeo Dobbs and a Samore Toure and an Elton Jenkins and a John Runyon Jr. Maybe still a Kenny Clark, probably still a Kenny Clark and a Devontae Wyatt and a Quay Walker and a Rashawn Gary and a Kingsley and Igbari and an Eric Stokes and a Jair Alexander. And then all of these picks that you've got coming up that, you know, 15th overall pick this year, hopefully you're getting something in a trade for Aaron Rodgers that can help you as well. You're probably not going to be, like I said, a top end playoff team. You might be picking round pick 13, 14, 15, 16 next year that you're using that pick and that you're starting to build this really good, deep, 
team that's now fiscally responsible because you're now got a $40 million cap hit with Aaron Rodgers traded away this year on your cap, but nothing in 2024, nothing in 2025 for Aaron Rodgers. Yes, you're going to have to do the fifth year option for Jordan Love, but in 2025, guess what? When he signs that new extension, if he's good enough, guess which year is going to be the lowest you know, money on that deal? 2025, probably going to be the lowest cap hit on that deal. That's your window. That's if if things go according to plan. I'm not saying it ultimately is. Jordan Love has to prove himself first. You need to get some players that step up from within right now. You need to hit on some draft picks. You need to be fiscally responsible with the salary cap. But the goal is to get to 2025 with a really talented core and a very, you know, uh, moldable and manageable salary cap so that you can start that process of actually going all in and doing all the things that all of these teams that are spending a ton of money right now are doing, that's your goal, but a couple of years from now. So what you want to be targeting right now isn't your DeAndre Hopkins or your Darren Wallers, the guys that in 2025 are going to either be on exorbitant contracts or are going to be too old at that point, or just not going to still be on the team. You want to be targeting young, talented players who are hopefully going to be really hitting their stride in 2025. So when I hear this thing of like, well, Green Bay's got to get a veteran wide receiver. I, oh, okay. Like you can have a veteran on your team if you really want. I don't hate it, but like, I would rather go out and get weapons in the draft or maybe include guys like Denzel Mims or, you know, um, uh, Elijah Moore in that trade. I'm not saying those guys are like must-haves or that they're going to turn out for sure, but I would rather have those guys who may be still super young and super talented and maybe just needed a change of scenery and could pay off in 2024, 2025. You get Corey Davis in that trade, a one-year guy that's on a $10 million deal that's yes, going to be changed and will likely include some void years if you get him or things like that. He's 28, which isn't the like be-all end-all. It's not the worst thing in the world, but like, why do you want a, a 28-year-old receiver on a one-year deal who again, in 2025 is more towards age 30 at that point. And now you need to, if he plays well this year for Green Bay, what do you need to do next year? You need to sign him to a huge deal. And in 2025, he's going to be on an exorbitant contract at age 30. That's not what you're hoping for. You're hoping that a guy like Elijah Moore, Denzel Mims, or just the draft picks that you get in return that you use on a weapon in the draft, that you're actually getting a young, talented player who is still on a cheap deal in 2025. So that again, your, your talented players, your Christian Watsons, your Romeo Dobbs, your guys that you're getting in the draft this year, your Wyatts, your Walkers, your all those guys are still on super cheap deals at that time. And you're, again, fiscally responsible. You've got a manageable salary cap. You've got young, talented players, Jordan Love on the cheapest year of his deal. And now in 2025, when all of these teams that are going all in right now go kaput, and now need to cut all their guys and trade all their guys away. Like we're seeing the Rams have to do right now with Jalen Ramsey. The Buccaneers have to do to some extent right now. All these teams that just got done going all in that are now training guys away. Now in two years from now, there's going to be other teams that went all in. Maybe the Dolphins, the Dolphins probably a, a team, maybe the Jets a team. Like some of those teams are now going to have to start cutting salary and releasing guys. And in 2025, your goal is to be able to have the means to go out and get all those players that are available and have the money to spend to build around your insane core that includes guys like Jair and Gary and all the guys, Christian Watson, etc. that we just mentioned, Jordan Love. So that is what you should really be looking for right now is the cheap, young, inexpensive players that have the opportunity to be on cheap deals and peak in 2025, 2026, etc. 
So you're not looking for high price free agents. You're looking for drafting players. You're finding young, cheap fillers. Keyshawn Nixon's a great example. Like I said, I would have liked that you get him on a three-year deal. So he's still guaranteed under contract in 2025, but younger players are the guys that you should be targeting right now. The Keyshawn Nixon's great. The Adrian Amos is not great, right? Elijah Moore would be a decent guy to get in return in, in a trade. Corey Davis, is he a good player? Yes, but he doesn't fit your timeline as well. So that those are the type of things that you need to be doing. So again, for now, say good, you know, say no to the older players, say yes to the younger players. And yeah, you know what you can also do? You can take some low risk, high reward type trades like Kadarius Tony, for example, last year. Now I'm not saying Tony went to Kansas City and was like the, the this incredible player, right? And I'm not saying you have to make deals like that, but there's probably going to be some rookie that a team got disappointed with or just didn't work out on their team. That's still a young, talented, cheap player. If you want to go make a trade for a player like that, you know, and like I said, Elijah Moore, Denzel Mims, great examples of those type of players, but there's plenty of other ones across the league that maybe just didn't live up to expectations. If you want to take flyers on those type of guys that again, have the opportunity to play at a high level, at least they, we, everyone thought they did coming out of the draft that are still under contract, you know, in 2025, 2026, that have a high ceiling that maybe they just need a change of scenery. Those are the type of deals that you should be looking for right now. You can still target future draft picks if you want to go in that direction. That could also give you some Jordan Love insurance. If Jordan doesn't work out and you need to go and try to pivot to a different quarterback in a year or two, having some future picks, like if the Jets offered their first rounder next year rather than their first or second this year, that's not the worst thing in the world, especially if Aaron Rodgers has an injury early in the year and Zach Wilson's having to throw to Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb. Yeah, and maybe that team uh, doesn't turn out so hot, right? And maybe you end up with actually a pretty decent pick next year. And again, if Jordan doesn't turn out, your pick ends up decent, their pick ends up decent, all of a sudden you can maybe move up and and find that next quarterback and try to open a window with that quarterback. So adding some future draft picks isn't the worst way to go here either. So long story short, and I know this is a extra long episode, but there's a lot to get to in this, you know, in this entire philosophy, right? But right now for Green Bay, the expectations have changed. This is not a team that should be going after some of those older players right now. And, but quick turnarounds can happen in the NFL. If you do this right, if you manage this the right way, you can turn around very, very quickly and open up that next window very, very fast. And all of a sudden have a team. Look at the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles are a great example of Jalen Hurts and what they were able to do. No, they didn't win it, but they got there, had every opportunity to win it. Sometimes you just run into Patrick Mahomes and that's going to happen from time to time. That's going to suck, but it is what it is. But they had a phenomenal season last year. And those quick turnarounds can happen in today's NFL. A lot's going to depend on Jordan Love, but Green Bay is going to have to figure out what that next target is, be fiscally responsible up until that point, and then hit that target. And then finally, when they actually find that window is actually go all in. And the big thing here is that if you are too late or if you are too early on trying to hit that target, hit that window, things can become a disaster. So it's really important that not only do you take the approach, but that you actually find the right time to take the approach as well. Because I can argue that when Green Bay actually tried to do it and sap every ounce of their salary cap the last couple of years, it was probably just a little bit too late. And again, they didn't do it enough with the type of players that they were picking in the draft or they, that they could have maybe traded for using those draft picks, right? 
So right now, Green Bay has a very good base of this team. They still do. They have a very young, talented base on this team, better than a lot of other teams. Even you know some of the teams that have been trying to build up assets, Green Bay still has a very good young core on this team that's super talented that they can still tap into. They have the 15th pick in this year's draft. They're going to try and get more from the Jets in a trade with Aaron Rodgers. They need to get a little bit more fiscally responsible, but again, ripping the Aaron Rodgers band-aid and taking that entire cap hit this year, which is what they'll do if they trade him, is a really good stepping stone to that. So I love where I like I love where Green Bay can go with this. I really, really do. I think this turnaround can be very, very fast. But right now, the the goal is not to be super active in free agency and signing these big players. It's not to be going out and making these aggressive trades. It's not to go out and, you know, uh, you know, with the third round picks for Darren Waller or second round pick for DeAndre Hopkins or whatever he goes for, third round pick for Jalen Ramsey. That time will come. That that opportunity will come. But you gotta be patient. You gotta get there first. You gotta open that window and then crush it out of the park and find those next Jalen Ramseys and Darren Wallers when that opportunity arises, hopefully in 2025. I know it's a lot to take in. I appreciate you sticking with me here for 42 minutes. I really do appreciate it. I do think this is this is something that I, I very much believe in and I think is the key to team building in 2023 and beyond. Uh, but I know it's a I know it's a little bit of a deep dive, so I appreciate you sticking with me. I'll be right back here tomorrow. We're going to get Aaron Rodgers on Pat McAfee on Wednesday. I'll talk about it, so make sure to subscribe. I'll see you then, but until next time, and as always, go Pat Go.